welcome. Oh, mm-hmm. pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, which way do you want me to look? At you? Yeah, me. Uh, okay. And there. No, <laughs> perfect. So, I thank, thank you, you for having me here. No, I appreciate it. Thank you right. so much. I've learned a lot from you. We met during the Hyatt Group presentation. Mr. Pingle, one of the professors in University of Nevada, Reno, told me about you, and he actually linked us up. So, tell me, tell me, how how are you since then? I'm great. Uh, things are great. As a matter of fact, uh, the Hyatt Group is doing very well. Uh, we've increased our membership uh, in a very short period of time, at approaching 100 members, which I'm excited about. Uh, we're cleaning up the website that we originally spoke about, <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to focus on strategy, you know, to drive traffic to the site. And I've been put on the board of directors of the Hyatt right. Group. That's really, really, and I'm very right. proud of that. So now I sit on quite a few boards, and uh, <laughs> I continue to do what I do. That's amazing. So I know you have done so many things in your marketing career. And a lot of people don't know what you did. So let me just explain to you guys who is Jonathan Ryder. I have my notes and I'm proud to use them because this is a lot. All right. 40 years in marketing, branding, licensing, retail, e-commerce, managed accounts for Wendy's, General Mills, Hasbro, including products such as Yoplait Yogurt, SpongeBob, Pokemon, Elmo, Barney, and Dora. Besides that, he also handled Eddie Bauer, Jeep, and Carter. And lastly, he is a business owner and a professor. So, with all of that in your belt, 40 years in marketing, that's crazy. Who were your mentors? What was your inspiration during the course, your journey of being a marketer? Great question. I uh, And by the way, you should know that of all the things that I've done, mm-hmm. um, I'm doing my favorite thing right now. I absolutely love being a professor. I've been teaching for six years. Uh, I am very proud to be at the University of Nevada, Reno, where I'm teaching entrepreneurship, marketing, and management. So, you know, with everything that I've done, I absolutely love teaching because I'm giving back. And when I meet new students and encourage them to pursue their passions and to turn on the lights inside the head, it makes me really excited. Um, I knew at a very early age that I wanted to go into the advertising business. I was uh, watching a television show when I was like eight years old called Bewitched. It was very famous and popular at the time. Uh, and the gentleman in the show, the, the husband, father, was an ad guy. And I just loved what he did. And I kept saying to myself, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that. You know, he took clients out to lunch and he took clients out to dinner and he pitched all kinds of products for advertising. It was just great. The lifestyle, I think. I think that's like the number one thing that you're talking about here. Even for me, when I look at what you've done and all of the marketers around me in American Marketing Association of Reno, you see the lifestyle and you produce creativity and you combine it with something analytical. The data just shows it. And who 
was your like specific mentor? Yeah, so the, the, the most important person that I met in business was the management director uh, for the Wendy's old-fashioned hamburger business at my first advertising agency, which was Dancer Fitzgerald Sample, which is now part of Saatchi and Saatchi, which, you know, the acquisitions and the mergers in the advertising business has have been amazing over the last many years. But this gentleman, was his name was Joe Mack, and uh, Joe took a liking to me and taught me how to write, taught me how to write business, uh, and told me so many things that just I still live by, you know? Uh, Jonathan, meet and greet everyone in life, in business. You never know who they are or what they're going to tell you uh, or why they're going to tell you something. And always double click on those conversations because if that person isn't necessarily specific to something that's going to further you or, or move you forward in some way, well, maybe they know someone. So you ask them, you know, okay, this might not be right for you, but uh, you know someone else that might be able to uh, move this forward or help us in some way. Um, and he just taught me, you know, to focus. You know, I live by this mantra of, you know, who, what, where, why, when, how. Uh, and it always focuses my writing. It focuses almost everything that I, I live by. That's, I feel like, I just want to double click on that. <laughs> but I realized that for me, I'm an early marketer. You have 40 years in your belt. I think I have two, two years for me. And net, everyone's telling me, you need to network, network, network. But they don't understand that you need to give an exchange of value, I think. So prove to, your, uh, prove to them that you're of value and prove to them that you talk uh, and listen. Because one thing that I've noticed with what you said is that you double click. You make sure, oh, this guy likes this. This person likes this this way. And if you show that, I feel like they respond to it better. And I've learned that from you. I've learned that from you. Make sure you, you talk to everyone in the room. And I tell my students, uh, Paolo, um, it is never too soon to start networking. Today, I'm a big, huge fan of LinkedIn. 80, 85% of all jobs today are found on LinkedIn. It's a social media platform, of course, but it's amazing. And... Um, I don't care if you're a freshman or a sophomore in college, get yourself into LinkedIn, put up a picture, talk about yourself, talk about what you want to do in life. Uh, and, and people will start to become aware of you and keep it fresh, keep yeah. changing it, adding it. It is never too early to network. Again, coming back to that meet and greet everyone, you know, because you just never know. A lot of the people I've asked, to ask you this question, are you usually shy, timid? But they want to be marketers. And they want to hear a story or at least ask you, how hard is it to find a mentor? I think a lot of people want to put themselves out there, but it's just hard for them to find a mentor who they can trust, who 
who they can learn from or look up to? How hard is it for you? No, so that's very interesting. So I, you know, after this hugely successful career that we, we we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about, I I was invited to start sitting on boards of directors, which was a lot of fun. And eventually, uh, I helped a company go public, and we sold a company to a public company. It was very very exciting. But while all of that was going on, I you know lived in New York City. Uh, born and raised and, and lived in you know Manhattan for many, many years. And there's a famous uh, school there called Baruch College. And I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go volunteer. I'm gonna go mentor there. And that was the first click that got me going because I started to mentor a bunch of undergrads and grads and I loved it. Mm -hmm. You know, they were young. Mm -hmm. uh, aspiring marketers, aspiring business uh, folks, and um, I just loved it. And then one day, in talking to my partner, I said, you know, how do I take this up a notch, you know? Mm -hmm. And the notch was to go teach, you know, to go teach. And I was fortunate, I had my master's of business, my MBA, which allowed me to teach. I'm not a PhD, but I'm called a practitioner because, again, I've had the, the 40 years plus of, of being in the trenches, you know, creating advertising and marketing campaigns for uh, obviously some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies uh, in the world. So I'm very lucky, very lucky. So with that 40 years of experience, I'm sure you can give your opinions or reaction to the current marketing use that's happening right now. We'd like to know your opinion with what's happening in this section of the podcast called What's Your Take? I'm showing something on the screen for Mr. Jonathan, and it says, Advertisements are more effective when Travis Kelsey, who's rumored to date Taylor Swift, increased by 57% and his jersey sales increased by 500%. What do you think about I love this. I, I love this. First of all, you know, really important to understand, and I respect you for not doing what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. which is, you know, calling oneself an expert, right? Mm -hmm. No one should ever call themselves an expert, right? <laughs> I can say it to you. No, 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 because yes. it means like you know everything, mm -hmm. and you don't have to learn anymore. And the truth right. is, you got to learn every day. Every day. I, I study, I read, I, I look at everything, and I follow this entertainment uh, programming and situation because this is very important. You know, this is very important. I tell my students, you know, with all respect, you know, to the Kardashians, for example, you know, we made the Kardashians, we meaning the mass market, Correct. this country, Correct. we made them who they are because they allowed us to come into their life and in return we watch their life. We find their life entertaining. And it is. It's a very entertaining situation. Um, so Taylor Swift is unbelievable. I mean, you know, probably will go down in history as being one of the most popular entertainers of her time, for sure. sure. I mean, she just came off this tour. She's going to make about a billion and a half dollars. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And Travis Kelsey is an amazing football player. And 
the two of them together are a power couple. <laughs> so it's only natural that his jersey is going to go through the roof. The association, we in this country, you know, we'd love to see them, you know, have a relationship and have Taylor finally find love and and so forth and and you know wow how cool would it be if they got married right that's true that's and true. Had little baby you know so uh, you know this is i love this stuff that's great that's great for me like this this whole ha what's happening right now and what i want to double click on that as well i'm going to use that term for this whole podcast want to double click on what you said about the kardashians they're like we enter to their world as viewers, as audience, and then we give them, we tell them what we want. And I'm pretty sure their marketing team and all of their, all of their team is telling, oh, this is how you should act, this is how you should talk, this is how you need to do this and do that. It's more of a manufactured thing, but a lot of people find it controversial too regarding profiting off their own image, which I, for me, it's justified. For me, it's justified. They're, they are entertainers. They are in that field. What do you feel about that? Yeah, so I, so I know Kris Jenner. I don't think she uh, thinks of me at all. But I, I met her and uh, the man that was in her life uh, at that time uh, when I was in Hasbro. They mm -hmm. wanted to sell. They had a product idea. They wanted to sell this idea to Hasbro. And we met many, many times. And... Uh, uh, had many dinners together and so forth and I had tremendous respect for her and him but uh, Chris is driven very smart and so it's just natural that you know what that show is all about is how, dri how driven that family is you know I mean the truth be known they have no natural talent right they don't sing they don't dance mm -hmm. you know they're not giving us comedy mm -hmm. right it's it's their life and look at the success of each of the individual people in that family. It's amazing. It is. So I have, you know, tremendous respect for, uh, the, you know, Chris. Yeah. Like that whole family. Likewise, for me, I, I see them in a lot of this internet, you know, opinions. Think that they're not smart. They, they are smart. That's why it shows in the network. It shows... What they are endorsing, it shows everywhere. Of course they're smart, because mm -hmm. look at how popular their show is. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, hard to do that. It right. is hard to do that. Another segment is what's going on with Threads and Twitter. So, Threads is, is Threads going to pose a threat for X, formerly known as Twitter. Now, Threads is currently forecasted to have 23.7 million users. And Twitter currently has 56.1 million users. I feel like, what do you feel about this market share? So listen, um, social media is exceptionally powerful right now. You know, my students ask me all the time, you know, Professor, what should we do? You know, uh, we have X amount of money in our budget for marketing. You know, where do we spend it? How do we spend it, right? Mm -hmm. And I always talk about the fact that you've got to start with an amazing website mm -hmm. and then you pivot from that website. I make websites very simple and very clear. And then, of course, today you have to move from that to a social media platform, a campaign. And then 
you know, depending on how sophisticated you are and how much money you have, you can think about doing traditional advertising, television, radio, print, billboards, whatever it is. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens in social media. You know, I'm all about, Paolo, uh, what's next, Yes. you know? Yes. And I think we're all actually a little tired with the current uh, situation with <laughs> social media. I yeah. think we're all looking for something new. Yes. Uh, and I, I'm waiting for someone like yourself or someone else <laughs> to actually create something new. I feel like the platform for Twitter and Threads is very interesting. When we were strategizing regarding the Hive group, we, I told you my, my concept of Twitter or any of this is that it allows your brand to be attacked. There's so many varying opinions within Twitter or Threads. And right now, the concept of Threads and Twitter is about, Twitter is all about freedom of speech, while Threads is more moderated. What do you think about that? Uh, don't really have a strong opinion about it. You know, I, I happen to be a big fan of Elon Musk. Uh, I like uh, a, a lot of what he does in business. Um, his takeover of Twitter and, you know, renaming it to X, uh, you know, making his, his mark, yeah. no pun intended. I, I, you know, time will tell. I mean, we're, we're all going to become fans of one path or the other. You know, it's important to have a presence in, in each of these pieces, be it Snapchat or uh, Instagram and so forth. Um, I'm not a tweeter. I don't tweet. <laughs> uh, I don't play. Uh, and I don't play in threads. But, of course, I download these apps. I want to see what they're all about. Um, so, I don't know. You know, time time will tell here. Time yes, will tell. Sure. I would test it. You know, uh, personally, I would do test that A-B it. testing. I would, do there, the, yeah. I would do the testing and, and, you know, for whatever target I'm after, see which one is more effective. You know, that's true. That's true. That's the true mark of a marketer. A-B testing every day. So another one is ad staffing jumped by 3,000 jobs in September, becoming the biggest monthly increase since summer of 2022. I know you have advertising, a lot of advertising experience with you. So tell me, tell me, what are your thoughts? What's your prediction and what's happening? Is it because of the strength of social media? Do you think board members of a company or any organization are starting to realize the strength of marketing? Well, to me, marketing is everything. It's the engine that drives business. Uh, some will argue uh, I'm, I'm deeply involved with finance as well, and finance is incredibly important for the success of businesses. And of course, finance funds marketing's efforts. But marketing to me is everything. You know, knowing your product, knowing your pricing structure against the competition, which in turn leads to your profitability. Uh, understanding all the aspects of, quote, promotion, right? Advertising, public relations, personal selling. Uh, it just goes on and on, really important. And then, of course, the channels of distribution, which we call placement. Mm -hmm. um, having relationships with companies like Walmart and Target, Amazon, uh, and certainly all their dot-coms and so forth. Advertising is a very exciting business. 
it has changed over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, today, clients are really looking for the big idea, you know, the big idea. Uh, and that's why a lot of advertising agencies get hired, you know. Yes. Um, I'll be honest with you. I tell my students, I'm teaching advertising and branding right now, and I love this class. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can start an advertising agency with, with someone who can manage the business and right. then a creative. And if you have a great idea for an existing client that's out there, you know, you could pitch their business. That's um, true. That's you true. could pitch their business. That's what I do, guys, by the way. Right? <laughs> so, you know, the advertising business is, uh, it's amazing. My friend Peter Levitan and I, who ran the YoPlay yogurt business mm -hmm. for two years mm -hmm. together, uh, he just wrote a book. Uh, which is very popular called, you know, uh, how to build a kick-ass, excuse my French, uh, advertising agency, you know, and the book is doing very, very well. Um, it's a very fun, exciting business uh, and very lucrative. You can make a lot of money and have a great time. So I'd like to ask you, since we're in this advertising mood right now, um, what is the first client that you've ever had in the advertising scene, at least during your advertising when you were working for an advertising company? Right. So I, you know, I came out of graduate school with my MBA, and the, uh, the very, very first few interviews that I went on was actually with one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world at that time. Uh, and they had just gotten this big piece of business. And I actually think that's how I got the job because I had read about this piece of business that they got. Mm -hmm. And at the end of my interview, I said, gee, you know, I thought, you know, you would really be hiring right now because you just got the Wendy's old fashioned and hamburger business. And the guy looks at me and he goes, wow, how'd you, how'd you know that? I said, no, I read it in the trade publication. I read it in advertising age. And he was like, wow. Uh, that's very cool. All right. And I got called back. And I think it was, I got called back because I knew that, you know. Yeah. Um, but to your question, uh, Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers was my, my very first piece of business that I worked on. And I, I did that for five years. I want to pinpoint on this as to inspire, maybe. Martyrs were just starting. Before you land that Wendy's account, or before getting hired, I'm pretty sure you had projections as well. Is it really that normal? I feel like during our my generation and the the young generation now feels like so detached with or what to expect in reality of finding a job in, in an advertising agency. Well, again, like I, I teach and talk about this to my students, you know, um, Young people today uh, realize that they're going to fail before they're going to succeed. Yes. You know, when I grew up, um, I heard failure is not an option. Right? Mm -hmm. Today, it's okay to fail. Yeah. You have to fail, actually, because that's how you learn. Right? Yes. If you fail and you don't learn, that's a problem. Very, very fine. <laughs> so if you fail a test or you don't do well on a paper, you know, what did you do wrong? And how are you going to fix it for the next time? So failure is very important. Rejection is part of failure, right? Correct. Um, 
And again, I have to tell you, I'm very fortunate. I, I wasn't rejected uh, early on. I was, I, you know, I got a job right away. But I feel I, like you have that power of information when you talk to him, when you were looking at the ads. It's more than just a piece of paper. Here's my job application. You no, actually no. did your part. You have to be informed. You have to do your homework. You have to, you know, develop a point of view. Right, you have to have a point. I make my students read, you know, Harvard Business Review case studies, and I ask for their opinion. I don't want them to regurgitate yes. what the article or the case study was about. Mm -hmm. I want to hear what they have to say. What was your opinion? Did the authors uh, make you uh, aware of something you didn't know? Uh, did they present what their argument was effectively? What did you learn yes. from this? Uh, don't tell me what it's about. Tell me what you learned. So uh, if I was giving guidance to anyone looking for a marketing job today, do your homework. Understand the industry. Understand all the players. Look at that competitive landscape. Yes. Listen, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. The more you know, um, the more significant contribution you're going to give to a client. And of course, Paolo, as you said before, you know, we're adding value. You have to add value. Mm -hmm. Why should someone hire you, right? Because I have these skills. I have these certifications. I have this knowledge. And I can add value to your business, to your client's business, etc. That's really, I feel like that hits home for me. And all of this experience that you have started with one story, and I will always remember this story, however the viewers have not. And this story, I feel like, is all about work ethic when it comes to your story. What happened during the Wendy's account? I want your spill on the story. Well, again, I, you know, I was very fortunate. Um, of course, I was a newbie. You know, I was living in a, in a cube. Uh, I didn't have an office or anything. Uh, and, and I worked on local Wendy's business. So mm -hmm. I was creating sales promotions and working with franchisees. And it was amazing. You know, I loved it. Um, and, and then slowly I matriculated uh, and actually um, ended up working internationally for Wendy's. Uh, and, and I traveled all through Europe, uh, growing their business. Unfortunately, Wendy's didn't understand Europe uh, and they, they weren't willing at that time to uh, change their menu and, and, and acquiesce to certain restrictions and or opportunities, right? Yes. Uh, they didn't understand. Yes. In Europe, you know, you want to open up a hamburger place, great. You got to serve a beer. Yes. And that was not part of their, their mix. So we have to adapt always, just like, you know, our friends McDonald's did in, in, in India. France. They right? did something in France as well. They, McDonald's in France is way, way different from everything. It's yes. an actual restaurant. Yes. It's, yeah. they, they really need to understand the culture, the values that the people share there. You have to, you always have to adapt. Uh, certainly in, in that situation to a local culture and so forth. There is no Big Mac in India, right? It's it's the McVeggie burger because as we all know, the Indians do not eat meat. So um, 
It's, it's just the way it is. But I'm not getting to the story that you were very specific about. I, have, I remember you telling me regarding you actually went to Wendy's and worked inside one of their stores yeah. to understand everything. Yeah. That and, that, and that was a natural, that was a natural question that day. Um, actually one, one of my first meetings at Wendy's sitting, yeah. you know, in a room with 30 people, the senior vice president of marketing. And you were like a, a newbie that time. I was a young, young guy, you <laughs> know, right, <laughs> out of, right out of graduate school. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, I, I want to work in their stores. I, I want to work in the store. And I blurted it out. I said, you know, I want to work in your, in your stores. And the room went, hush. And uh, the senior vice president of marketing for Wendy said, why do you want to do that? You're the first ad guy ever to ask us that. <laughs> and I said, if I'm going to market, if I'm going to advertise your hamburgers and your fries and everything that you do, I want to live it. I want to know how you do it. And he called my bluff because <laughs> he said, okay, so we have a hamburger college. Uh, when are you coming? And I was like, you tell me. And he said, could you be here in two weeks? And I said, absolutely. And I went to hamburger college and I lived in Columbus, Ohio for two weeks. <laughs> And again, you talk about networking. You talk about yes. meeting people. It yes. I'm graduating, right? Mm -hmm. It's a Friday. Yeah. And um, it's midday. And I feel this arm come around me, you know, and in, 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 a, in an embrace. And uh, I turn and I look and it's Dave Thomas, you know, the founder of Wendy's. Yes. And he looks at me and he goes, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you that you did this and that you spent two weeks here learning our business. I would have never met Dave Thomas per se, and it was an amazing experience, you know, and as I fast forward, you know, five years later or three years later, we were opening a, a Wendy's in New York City, the very first store, and who in walks Dave Thomas, you know? And he literally, he remembered me. You know, we put on a huge media event for that opening. We had a hamburger eating contest of oh. the New York Yankees against <laughs> the New York Mets. Yes. It was big news. Everybody was covering it. And he came over to me and he said, Jonathan, and I was like, Mr. Thomas, you remember who I am? And he goes, absolutely. Uh, such an impressive man, you know. So all of that story, I feel like bundled up when I'm processing it and when I heard it the first time, I said, that time, even as early as it is, I can risk. You need to risk to get rewards, right? And risk isn't necessarily something that's reckless. You can make it, you can make a calculated risk. And because you're bluff, fun experience, you met the founder, another amazing experience, but it shows a lot of character. And when I talk to my guest, I try to understand who is deep inside. And all I see is you are a risk taker. And what do you feel when you are trying to guide your students or maybe your peers regarding risk? Right, so great question and, and really important. Um, I tell my students all the time, you know, if you're studying marketing, if you're studying advertising, you, you need to understand that you yourself 
You're a product. Correct. You're a service, right? So as you think about yourself and your business and so forth, you are developing a unique selling proposition for yourself. Meaning, why should people care about Paolo David or Jonathan Brighter? You know, why should anybody care? You know, and, and then it's the support of why, right? Mm -hmm. It's that who you are mm -hmm. and what you do and why you do it, but uh, it, it's, you know, you're always marketing who you are, your skill sets and why people should care about you. Even today with your clients, you know, you're special, you're different, you add value, you understand their business mm -hmm. and this is what is important. I want to ask you regarding that. I'm pretty sure, again, 40 years of marketing experience, there is a moment in everyone's life, maybe maybe athlete or anyone else. When did you know you made it? Oh, interesting. Um, probably when I started my first business. Mm. Um, and I had, you know, as you know, uh, and I'll, I'll share with the audience a little bit. So after five years I, uh, of Wendy's, I ended, I ended on a, a exceptionally high note. I helped create, helped is the operative word, helped create probably the most famous advertising campaign ever created, which was Where's the Beef? Uh, and we shot a tremendous amount of commercials. Uh, it became a huge success. Uh, not only for Wendy's, the sales, it was it was a pivot from being in the burger wars with Burger King and McDonald's and we went right after, you know, where's the beef? Where, yeah. Where's the, the money? Uh, and, um, but at five years, I, I kind of had enough, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't feel at that point that I was actually being taken advantage of, but I was very powerful on that piece of business. You know, I'd, yes. I'd go to Wendy's corporate headquarters, I'd walk in and they'd go, Hi, Jonathan, how you doing? You know, I, I yes. became known. Influential. Right, and, and I, you know, it was important to me, but I wanted more. And uh, so my mentor, my, my boss, uh, said, what do you want, Jonathan? You know, what do you want more? I said, I want what this business was founded on. Yes. Consumer packaged goods. Uh, and he looked at me and he said, you're going to hate that. You just, it's all research and numbers. And I said, I looked at him and I went, bring it on. Yeah. You know, and uh, three days later, he came to me and he said, I found a spot for you. It's one of our biggest accounts. It's General Mills. And we're putting you on something very entrepreneurial. It's it's Yo Play Yogurt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> and I, you know, transitioned to Yo Play Yogurt, helped create, you know, get a little taste of French culture again. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, and had two years of, of a tremendous amount of fun. Um, and then, I know I'm, I'm getting to your, your question. No problem. Uh, I still didn't think I made it then. Um, I, I was asked to change my target demography. I actually transitioned to another advertising agency who had the biggest toy account in the world, Hasbro. Hundred million dollars, and uh, I joined that advertising agency and uh, helped create, you know, this amazing television campaign for Play School, which was uh, open and against uh, Fisher Price. So we were trying to compete against Fisher Price, 
and uh, very exciting. We shot 60 television commercials. Amazing. Very successful. I also uh, had the good fortune of working on their game business. Mm -hmm. So you are sitting with the person <laughs> that literally wrote the creative strategy that created the television commercial that launched the game Jenga. Yes. And Jenga was hugely successful. But I'm still not in the place of answering your question, which was when did I think I made Surprising. it? Surprising. At that yeah. point, I will be, I'll, I can consider myself successful. Go ahead. No, I, I really didn't. Uh, I was working for other people. And you know, one of the problems with the advertising business is uh, un until you can put yourself in a situation where you're working on the client side, mm -hmm. right? Advertising people, we become professional recommenders. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, we have the four P's of marketing, right? Correct. Product, price, promotion, and placement. Mm -hmm. In advertising, you're working on one P, one tool for marketing. So after three years of working on the Hasbro business, Hasbro asked me to join them. That's amazing. And I was like, wow. And they said, you know, you're going to make product. You're going to bring products to market. You're going to get involved with Walmart and Target. I was like, wow, this is so exciting. <laughs> but you know? before you go, before you move on though, I want, I want your actual emotion on this. What does it feel like reaching that position? That's just besides wow, besides that word wow. What does it feel like? It was, that was amazing. Uh, that was amazing. Um, I had a move from New York City to the Providence, Rhode Island, which was an adjustment for sure. Although I had spent so much time, three years working on their business, so I felt very comfortable. But that was, that was very different. But let me tell you, the doors opened. Uh, I launched hundreds of products while I was there. I was reminded uh, the other day by one of my industrial designers that I helped patent, you know, 22 products while I was there. And we changed so many businesses. You know, we went into the stroller business and the high chair business. And it was amazing. And I traveled all through Asia, uh, making product, building product. Uh, we launched the very first uh, silicon baby a bottle nipple uh, yes. into the United States. It was amazing. But my greatest achievement there, um, beyond the products and all that wonderful stuff, is I helped launch Barney. Yes. Uh, and I introduced the board of directors. And this was asked, uh, during your, you were a VP at Hasbro or? Exactly. No, 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 okay. exactly. In my third year at Hasbro, I became a senior vice president. But in my second year, we were given Barney. Uh, and, um, you know, Again, I had Disney and Sesame Street. I had the top licenses in the business, and now suddenly we're being given this purple, di you know, dinosaur. Who, you know, what is it? You know, what is it? And and there was a tremendous resistance. Um, but I believed in the concept, and I knew that Walmart was doing phenomenal yes. with the videos at that time. So I just knew three months, six months, this was gonna explode. One of my dearest friends in business today, uh, he and I launched Barney uh, at Walmart. He was my buyer, and today he's the CEO of Walmart, Doug McMillan, who's and he was a buyer back then. He was the buyer in Department Twenty Six, buying my Barney products. So, <laughs> uh, and he's he's a dear friend, and he's the most amazing uh, person that I know in retail. 
uh, probably go down in history as being the best CEO of Walmart ever. And then I had the good fortune of uh, presenting our business, our Sesame Street business to the board of directors one night. That was a hundred million dollar business and you know they're asking about all kinds of things and I said you know what I'm going to end on a, on a huge high note and that became you know ladies and gentlemen tonight I'm going to introduce you to a character who's going to be bigger than Big Bird and they all kind of laughed because how can anything be bigger than Big Bird <laughs> right and I cued my AV and boom this little red character came on with a little squeaky voice and that of course was Dumbo. That's amazing. And uh, I still didn't really think that I had made it at that point either. You are, uh, you, you just work. You just work. Yeah. Well, as I tell my students, and this is very important, I want you to understand this. I always tell them, you know, if you want to be in marketing, if you want to be a marketer, right, your job is never done. That's, you know, you could be an accountant and you work on a balance sheet or, or a cash flow statement, a tax return. You know, you start and you finish. Yes. If you want to be a great marketer, right? Keep on You right. always have to keep thinking about your business. Keep thinking about your business. How do I change this? How do I revise that? What's the competitive situation right now? If you're successful, you know, chances are people are going to come right after you based on your success to capture a little piece of that market, you know? Yes. So I, I, I tell the students all the time, you can't ever sit back on your laurels. You, you've got to constantly be thinking uh, about your business. How do I grow the business? How do I change the business? Maybe I should be looking at a new package. Uh, maybe we should change the color of the product. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just this... If you want to be good at marketing, you never stop thinking. And then at that point, with all this business ideas you have, when you launch your business, is that when you felt uh, satisfaction? Of yeah, so, but even though you talk about risk and taking chances, I, so I decided to finally, after you know, many attempts by all of my uh, makers in uh, Hong Kong and Bangkok and many places that were always encouraging me to start my own business, I finally took the plunge mm -hmm. uh, and started a business uh, in room decor. Uh, and I was very lucky. You know, as a startup, I launched my business with Barney mm -hmm. and Sesame Street. Really unheard of in the business world. You know, uh, Sesame Street. In order to get their license, you have to be in business five years. I was a startup. So I guess it says a lot about you know who I was and my reputation at that time for Barney and Sesame Street to give this to me as a startup. Um, but even then, Paolo, I, I, I never felt um, like I, I was a huge success. Uh, and I, I did. I had a very substantial success. Uh, and ended up, you know, selling that business to a very big conglomerate after three and a half years. And they gave me a huge compliment by asking me to run my business in their business. Um, and um, we never looked back. I mean, uh, you know, I think of Elmo and, you know, my, my dear friend Richard Levy, who was an inventor. He gave the world Tickle Me Elmo. He gave me my 
first product idea and he said, Jonathan, you know, you've been so good to me over these years. I don't want any money from you. I don't want any royalties. Just go make this product. And it was my first huge success. We sold a million and a half pieces of uh, a, a great uh, baby on board sign, but it wasn't a baby on board sign. It was uh, involving Elma. Yes. Um, you know, I, you know when I made it, you know how I feel is right now. Um, being being a teacher, being a professor, being at the University of Nevada, Reno, very, very important to me, very powerful. This is what I've noticed with everything you said and knowing you personally, is that you're the type of person, money doesn't matter, I feel like. I feel like money wasn't the driver at all. I feel like it was just being the best marketer. And I've seen this and people... Uh, they nail it down every time uh, in every class and during my MBA is that people who've done great things, Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, or anything like that, it's not just the money, it's more of you just want to innovate every time, catching the trend. And I feel like I see it in you. And you talk about being a professor. What's the feeling of transitioning from being what we call suit, right? To being a teacher. Uh, another another good another good question. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, I was a suit. I, I was definitively a suit in the advertising <laughs> business. I used to wear a three-piece suit. Were, were you I ever called like a, a banker? Shark? I looked like a banker. Were you ever called a shark? No, no. I was never a shark. No, 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 no. You know, I, I, I do want to say something that's really important. Yeah. And, I, and I again, I instill this in my students. You know, you have to in life. Be honest, be filled with integrity, mm -hmm. you know, don't deceive people. Um, it's so important, you know, your reputation is the most important thing that you have. And once you ruin that reputation, it's very hard to gain the trust from anybody in a certain industry. Mm -hmm. I've known people that destroyed their reputations in one industry and had to leave to go to another industry oh, yes. where they were unknown, right? Yes. So if you work for people or if you're finding people to be dishonest or distrustful or devious in any way, get out, you know, yes, don't, sure. don't work for people like that. And certainly don't be that way when you start your own business if in fact that's something that you want to do, you mm -hmm. know? I try to follow that mantra as well because I'm starting my business. I started my business. It was a hobby. And then I tried to make sure like, I'd rather uh, not overcommit and to say and just deliver it in a, the best way possible. And looking back though, I feel like I share the same emotion with you or passion at least in learning. And being a suit for you, when you transition to that professor field, when they saw your resume, what, what did they say? At least, I think, I want to know. Well, when, you, when you actually look at my resume, it's, it's, uh, it's almost hard to believe, right? I mean, there are people that go, really, you did all this? Yes. Um, and, and thank God, um, uh, the University of Nevada, Reno, uh, did a background check on me to, to make sure that everything was real. Yes. And uh, I passed with flying colors. So, I, I would you know. have not known that.
that within my area, at least within my network, I could not believe when uh, Mr. Pingle told me about you, we should work together regarding you actually help make Jenga for what it is now. Yeah. And Elmo, Barney, that's my childhood, literally. Um, even at that point, I think I drank some vitamins of anything that you license or help license. So, but yeah. even more, all right, let's go, let's double click and yeah. move that forward a little bit. Uh -huh. You know, so it was Barney and Elmo. Great. Yes. But then came the Teletubby. Yes. Which, you know, I have my, part, my partner actually launched the Teletubbies in the United States. I, of course, made products for it. And it was hugely successful, yes. right? There's talk of bringing the Teletubbies back. And then we went to Pokemon. Yes. Right? I have a great picture of Jeff Bezos uh, way back when uh, with holding my holding my Pikachu pillow uh, <laughs> and, and him telling me, you know, this product was so important to Amazon this year. You know, and I think it was 96 or 95. Um, and then, of course, I, I can't not mention my greatest discovery, yes. um, which I'm most proud of was SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm yes. the first uh, licensee for SpongeBob and we did a tremendous, tremendous amount of business uh, with SpongeBob and a lot of the Nickelodeon characters. I'd like to ask you on this because licensing, I know it's a bit, it is marketing, but I feel like there's a reach as well. And licensing, if you're the first licensee, do you have a cheaper deal for for that? Uh, it can. It can mm -hmm. be that. Let me tell you this. That's mm -hmm. a great question. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, Pikachu, uh, Pokemon. I wanted to make one product. Mm -hmm. My pillow. I was famous for these 28-inch oversized uh, polar fleece pillows. Right. Barney uh, was my first big success, and we sold that into Walmart and did you know tremendous. Our first order for Barney was two and a half million dollars. One product, you know? Yes. But I went to Pokemon and I said, I want to make one product. I want to make one pillow with Pikachu, mm -hmm. right? So I ended up giving them a $5,000 advance mm -hmm. and I guaranteed them $10,000 because Pokemon, even though it was very famous in Japan, was just coming to America. Inception was not that popular yet. So we took a chance, right? You talk about risk, we took a chance. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you, in 10 months, we did $10 million with that one product. And that translated into giving them a check, Pokemon a check for a million dollars. I had only guaranteed them $10,000. Here we walked in with a check for a million dollars. So um, it's, it differs from one deal to another. Right. But being, being a first licensee, I'm pretty sure there's some benefits to it. Right? Yeah, of course. You're first in uh, and you're not uh, paying exorbitant fees for advances and guarantees and, and uh, you know, royalties. All right. Yeah. So I want to move forward, though, uh, talking about your if you're comfortable. I understand that there's the importance of surrounding yourself with like-minded people, right? 
I feel I feel like during your advertising agency, you are hungry, you want to do something. Your partner helped Teletubbies, that means she's doing something good too, or she, or whoever was within you. When, if you're just comfortable talking about it, how about your partner? I want to talk about you and your, your partner. My partner is um, probably one of, if not the smartest person I've ever met in, in my entire life. Um, and I mean that. I, I, I had the great fortune of meeting a tremendous amount of very, very smart people, mm -hmm. uh, Harvard MBAs and, and, and so forth. Um, but this person is, uh, she went to Berkeley and obviously, you know, it's a great school. Um, she's just incisive and very intense. And uh, I will say the two of us are, are quite competitive. We play off of each other and uh, and so forth. So um, to your point, you know, in the corporate world, right, you will be on teams, you will be put on teams. Uh, sometimes those teams are set up, you know, competitively, uh, not only internally, but on that team itself. Yes. Um, you know, are you only as good as those people that you surround yourself with? You know, I think there's a lot of truth in that, yes. right? We can't do, as individuals, we can't do everything, right? Correct. We need complementary skills, for sure. Uh, and I learned that when I was at Hasbro. You know, we would have meetings, and I was marketing, I was product development, but in those meetings, we had lawyers. Uh, we had the C-suite yes. there to add value and comment. You know, if, if we were presenting a product that might be difficult to manufacture, you know, we had the QA and the QC people there who could impart uh, their knowledge. So those cross uh, collateralized uh, uh, people in these meetings, not only did it make for more effective and efficient decision-making, uh, it just, it made the process Seamless. Yeah. Um, when you're doing all of this stuff, right? I'm pretty sure you're a family man, if you like it. So a lot of our viewers or people who I asked who's going to watch this podcast talked about did your children play an integral part in your journey or your success? I feel because first of all, your demographics already, you have Pokemon, Elmo and everything. You can just take home a toy and just give them. But a lot of people are asking, oh, I'm getting busy if I go to the corporate, or if I go become a C-suite or a suit, I'll, I'll have this. They want to do it, but they're afraid of the possible sacrifice they need for the family. Do you have those type of experience? Yeah, I, I, you know, listen, you talk about passion and you talk about working in business. You know, I, um, I always... Um, you know, worked a 10, 12 hour day. Um, you know, I was, I was in early. I always left kind of late, you know, um, and I did it for, for myself, you know, but at the end of the day, right, the most important thing is, you know, who you go home to. Uh, and my family has always been, you know, a tremendous resource of, of reinvigoration and stimulation. Um, I have the greatest son in the world, at least in my mind, 
Um, he just finished his freshman year of college and he's moving on uh, to hopefully a new school very soon and he wants to transfer. Uh, he wants to be a lawyer, you know, um, and not necessarily wants to practice, but he wants to uh, have that education, yes. you know. Um, but to your point, uh, family is very important. Uh, you know, we all need love. You know, we're humans, right? Mm -hmm. I study consumer, but you know, behavior. Um, and uh, you know, after after we fulfill all of Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, yes. you know, the ultimate goal is is to have a fulfilled life. You know, a really uh, robust, full life, not money. Um, you know, money. Uh, Money gives you uh, certain things, right? It can't buy you health. It can buy you good health care. Yes. But it's not going to give you your health. Yes. We can take money with us. Correct. Uh, but money is important. Yes. I tell my students now, it all depends on how you want to live your life. Yes. It really depends on, you know, if you need a fancy car. If you and need there's a no black like, formula to success. There's no blueprint wherein if you do this, do that you're going to be successful, but there's fundamentals, I think, like, yeah. um, like discipline, work ethic, consistency, and putting yourself out there, um, not shying away from the, from the risk, but having that logical mindset as well. A lot of the survey that I asked, they want to know about your work-life balance. During that stage, that whole span of 40 years, again, just to emphasize, I understand that yes, we need to make sacrifices, but what's your perspective regarding that work-life balance? Some people think that there's no such thing as work-life balance. At the end of the day, you work and provide, or like some people want to have weekends, that's mine, weekdays for, for the company. Well, uh, your generation or Gen Z, uh, you know, it's very important to have that work-life balance, you know, uh, not not living the grind of uh, five days a week or seven days a week or whatever it might be. Um, I definitely need to recharge, you know. Yes. I am an active uh, walker, hiker, I ski, I play tennis. Um, so you've got to put that into your life. I, I definitively need that. Uh, that's why I live where I live. I'm 15 minutes from the greatest ski resort, <laughs> you know, that I think in, in the world, you know, Palisades Tahoe. So, um, yeah, it's really important to, uh, recharge, but, you know, I never turn off. I'm never completely turned off. As you know. You send me an email. I usually I usually answer emails in, in less than five minutes or ten minutes. Yes. I do it respectfully. Yes. Because I think if you're asking me something or you want a response, I feel res that I need to respect you. So I, I that I I do that. I really value that. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that even with money you can't buy time. Even with money you can't buy time. So I, I've learned this from you. One time. I missed an email and you were you were calling me and I was like, for me, my work ethic, the moment that the clock strikes at 10 to 5, that's all business. And then my studies go afterwards and anything in between can be something for leisure. So, and they told me like, hey, you need to reply. 
And I said, wow, this is, this is crazy. And then you told me, I care about you. You, you. you literally told me, I care about you. If you want to be in this business and you want to succeed, you need to follow up with follow up. And being responsive. Yes. Being, being, being responsive. And yeah. for me, like, you can take those words. And I feel like a lot of my generation and the younger generation don't understand this. That you can, that I can only control how I react to that, right? And a lot of people that I've worked with, clients, they like me. I'm sorry, this is your podcast, but like, I realized that it's up to me and for our generation to how to respond to that. And I took it as a lesson and it's doing wonders for me. So reply to your emails and it's very helpful. Don't forget if you're interested in marketing, if you believe in marketing, if you believe in advertising, right? What is the essence of that? It's communication, yes. right? It's all about communication, yes. right? The sender of a message, the receiver of that message, and then we're looking for a reaction, right? Yes. It's either buying a product or a service and so forth. So, you know, if you're a communicator, communicate, you know, and I feel like, responsive. And I feel like a lot of people don't practice the basic tenets of being a marketer. Our job is to make an idea and know how to communicate it. And some people don't even try to practice how to talk or how to speak properly. Pitches, and I, I'm pretty sure you've done thousands, maybe millions of pitches to an exaggeration um, that you practice the, the pitch. And I'm pretty sure you tell this to your students. What do you tell your students? I tell my, so I make all my students uh, oral, orally present. They all always have to make an oral presentation. And I tell them if they don't practice, um, we will know, right? Yes. You have to practice. You have to hear the words. Once you start to live the presentation and you hear the words, when you are actually standing in front of an audience, it will just naturally flow. You've heard it before. And so the words just start to come to you, right? One of the greatest uh, over uh, preparers was a guy by the name of Steve Jobs. You know, yes. when Steve was on camera and he was presenting a new product, he was seamless, right? But no one knew really yes. how many days he rehearsed and rehearsed do you know hers? I know. Do you know? My wife, my partner, <laughs> was at Apple, you know, for 10 years working directly for Steve can and Mother. Can I touch on that real quick? Sure. Your your wife worked with Steve Jobs or at Apple? You just, she was on the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time, they were launching the Newton. Uh-huh. Let's talk about failure. The Newton was the greatest failure Apple ever had, yet it was the precursor to the iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. So that failure turned into what we now know as you know this amazing uh, piece of uh, technology that we can't live without. So she was, he was very involved in every aspect of product. The product itself features and functions with the benefits uh, pricing for sure, they had huge profits, 
Um, packaging was, look at Apple today, the, the best packaging in the business. Yes. So Steve was involved in everything. And my partner, my wife, you know, worked not only on marketing plans, but she helped write speeches and presentations. So she had tremendous access to him. As a, as a matter of fact, when they pushed Steve out and they put John Scully in that spot, yes. she worked directly with John Scully. She That's traveled well. all over the world. And I feel like, for him. and I feel like a lot of the audience are normal people, average people who are not into marketing, don't understand that these big leaders who goes on to TED Talks, presentations, uh, product launches, they really practice that. How, what, what is your information? I'd like to know, how long do they practice it? Is it like one car drive from the hotel to the event or is it one month, two months? They practice until in their mind, it's perfect, you know? It, no one can tell them, hey, you got it. Yes. I mean, you can, yes. but inside, <laughs> you know, you know Most when you have it. So Jobs, Steve Jobs rehearsed for days and days and days mm -hmm. before he would make these big presentations to the media. You know, these, this were, these were the big media presentations that he did, that Tim Cook does now. How about you? Did you have any, how many types did that was for you at least? I practice uh, until I'm comfortable with the material, comfortable with the product, comfortable with you know the the ultimate the presentation. Do you practice like they they can ask me this, they can ask me that? Do you, do you try yeah. to look at every angle? Do you are you that type of person? For me, I am like that, but a lot of people call me you're obsessive, or I'm like. I'm paranoid, but I feel like that for me, that was something that helps me to see all the angles. Is it what do you, what do you, what do you I'm currently preparing for a presentation on Tuesday to Walmart. Uh, I have a brand new product that I'm very excited about that I think has the potential to be, you know, a, a huge entity. Do you think, do you have it in the United States? Uh, sure, if you want yes, me to show this, this. Yes, yes. It's called Free. I think we can put it on the camera too. It's called uh, Free Marbles. Uh, it launched in Spain and Portugal with social media and it was sold out in 10 days. Given my intuition and how I approach uh, IP, intellectual property, like this, I think this is a great toy for kids 6 to 12. A tremendous play value, classic game of marbles, but you know, we've upsized them, they're made out of plastic, the decoration is amazing, uh, and they come in these skins that bring them to life as animated characters, and they're easy to store and showcase and so forth. So I I love this. So here, going back to your question, uh, it's a who, what, where, why, when, how presentation, mm -hmm. right? Um, the co-founder of the company uh, is going to share who she is, all about her company. Uh, and what are we bringing to the party today, Walmart? We're bringing Freak Marbles. Um, excited? Yeah, of course. I, I'm excited. Maybe you have a spot there. Maybe I can work with you. Um, that will break the internet. <laughs> yeah. well, we are going to prepare a social media campaign in the United States because of 
you know, kids six to 12 today, the only way to really reach them and get them excited is through, you know, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Snapchat. I'm more than happy to help you, yeah. you with this. Oh, that would be great. Yes. I, I'd love that. I would By the way, that. guys, I didn't pressure him in the camera. <laughs> we talked about it beforehand. This is just a good segue to what I'm going to ask next. Um, there's a lot of things within the social media space. Now we talk about social media. There's problems regarding any types of morality, right? Especially in marketing. There's, I'm pretty sure you teach this, ethics at least. Are there some projects, if you can disclose this, are there projects that you declined because it was out of your moral compass? Meaning? Uh, no. That's a good question. You don't need to disclose the name. Yeah. But do you have some? No. So, so going back to what I said a little while ago about having integrity and being honest and, um, you know, you have to be ethical. You, you just have to be ethical. And unfortunately, Paolo, you know, many, many people in business um, are not that ethical. You yes. Know, are not that ethical. Uh, as I will teach next semester, uh, I'll be teaching entrepreneurial finance at, at uh, UNR. And, um, you know, cooking the books or yes. playing with numbers. Uh, we know many, many companies have gotten into trouble uh, yes. and people have gone to jail and so forth, but it, it continues. Why are people unethical? Because they don't believe that they're actually going to get caught. Mm. So, you know, today I think it's virtually impossible to hide. Um, people are going to find you. There's just no way that you're not going to be found because of so much. You can find some clients in my space. I when you try to bob, you try to bob and weave, and you can only do so much. And then you realize, oh, it might be out of my moral compass. But did it make you? I understand the reality of the world is that there's some. So I say it very. I say it. I say it very simply. If you are working for people that are deceptive and devious and unethical, exit, right? Mm -hmm. A paycheck is very important, and I know we have to pay our bills and so forth, and that's why a lot of us stay in a job. Um, but, you know, the association affects your reputation and who you are. So if you're seeing this, if you're witnessing this, exit. You know, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. You just, you want to exit. I have an analogy for this. And this is what an, a wise hermit <laughs> from another country told me. And he told me specifically, they can steal everything from you. Money, house, anything. But they can't steal your reputation. So you need to take care of that. Right. I, I just said yes. before, you know, and your reputation is everything that you have and once it's tainted um you know i i have a dear friend who's been in the licensing business for a long time and she once said jonathan you're the most honest person in the licensing business that i had ever met you know <laughs> and i was with uh, a client she said that in front of a client and and um it meant a lot you know it, it does it's a very important it's a very important thing and don't confuse being honest and filled with integrity with uh, naivete 
yes. right? We're, we're smart, we're savvy, and we understand, and we don't want to be associated with people that are breaking the law. Now, before everything else, by the way, um, in terms of success, a lot of people are asking me, can someone do marketing without having a marketing degree? And I, I think absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we all have these uh, pieces and parts in our DNA that, you know, make us creative or give us the uh, capacity to work with numbers. You know, it's interesting. I studied in college, Boston University, I studied communications and everything that I did was in a creative way, be it studying advertising or newspaper writing and reporting, whatever it was. And then my dad insisted that I go get my MBA and he forced me <laughs> to get it in accounting and finance. So I got my master's in finance and accounting. Um, so I became this odd person who, you know, was a creative who knew how to read a balance sheet, you know? Yeah. I feel the same, don't right. worry. <laughs> so, I think marketing, you know, there are, you know, can you learn marketing out of a book? Definitely. Can you learn it through life and your experience and, and understanding and what you're exposed to? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's like an entrepreneurship be taught. Correct. Right? There are people that argue you can't be taught to be an entrepreneur. Well, I disagree. Uh, I disagree. So you know, I've been teaching entrepreneurship for six years, and trust me when I tell you, I can teach and the thing you is, to become an entrepreneur, or at least to think like an entrepreneur. And I'd like to clarify this: it's the degree helps, most definitely. We're not saying don't go to college. Don't work. I think the degree helps, and I'm pretty sure you agree to it. We need to understand that the job market is demanding a lot, so. It's not saying when we were preaching, you don't need a degree to do marketing. Um, yes, you can learn how to do marketing. To be competitive is another question, I think. And I, I think we should- No, I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand. So um, let me course correct for a second. Yes. Um, going to college and getting that degree is very important, right? It says a lot about who you are Mm -hmm. It certainly should reveal that you are a disciplined human being who gave four years of your life to learning something. Mm -hmm. So that, that unto itself sets you apart. Exactly. And even going further, like yourself, getting an MBA, it's showing that you are serious about what you're doing. You want to learn more, mm -hmm. right? And then if you even wanted to go further and get your, you know, your PhD or your doctorate, you know, it even takes it that Deeper. much further, right? Yes. So we're only as good as our experience and our knowledge. And that's why, you know, again, we have to be life learners. You, you can't commit and say that you're an expert, right? You've got to learn every day and, and look at marketing. Of course, look yes. at marketing for an example. Changes it day. changes every day. <laughs> every second. Every, every day. day. Social media. The algorithms yes. in social media are changing by the hour. Yes. By the hour. Yes. So, you know, can you teach a master class? Can you become a master? Yeah. But you still need to grow and grow and grow every day. And we need to emphasize this too. Marketing books, when they are written, 
when they launch it, it's already outdated. They're three and years old. Away. They're uh, three years yeah. old. Uh, I love, by the way, the Kellogg's marketing book that you told me about. I've been, it's either before I sleep or I do a two mile run. And I just pop it on my headphones. I use an audible. Um, I just prefer it that way because I can do other stuff. You talk of mentors. Uh, so I shared my mentor uh, uh, at Wendy's, but, um, you know, Kotler mm -hmm. uh, is, is to me, you know, I've never met the person. I've never met the man. Um, but he is the father of, of marketing. He's the guy that wrote the very first marketing textbook, you know, because marketing comes out of economics and, and um, yes. just like entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, his writing and his knowledge yeah. has changed, changed my life for sure. So. And I feel like um, I can see, I, I can see some resemblance with your beginning story. The, the passion, the, the wanting to learn. And I feel like I want to close this before everything else. I'd like to ask your advice. If you have some advice for any person who'd like to pursue marketing, what will it be? For sure, stay in college, get your degree, right? Doesn't necessarily have to be in marketing, but make sure you take marketing classes. As I said early on, to me, marketing is everything. It's it's the engine in your car, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say that like finance is the oil. You know, mm -hmm. finance keeps everything running smoothly and you need the money and you need that input. But marketing is everything and it's a great, great uh, uh, job uh, and it's a job that goes on and on and on. It's endless. You know, there's always something to do, always something to do in marketing. Um, and it's a very exciting uh, career path. It's lucrative uh, and it's, uh, it's fun. You know, don't forget, you know, work is work, but we do want to have fun. I tell my students, you know, if you're going to commit to a job and you're going to give 10, 12 hours a day working, um, make sure you're having fun and yes, enjoy yes. it. I used to talk about, you know, follow your passion, follow yes. your passion. Today, I, I say follow your skill set. Yes. Follow what you're good at, that, that you enjoy doing, you know. Uh, and if you have the capacity to have, you know, two sides of the brain working, all the power to you. But um Focus, stay in school for sure, uh, get that degree, um, and uh, you know, enjoy life. I, I really appreciate everything, Mr. Jonathan. Unfortunately, we gotta end the podcast, but before everything else, please tell them whatever plan or whatever message you want to say to the camera. I think we, I think we said it all. I think we said a lot. Um, I, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Um, you know, did I ever think that I was going to become a teacher? I, you know, I was told one day after I made a big presentation at Hasbro by the CEO, he came to my office and said, have you ever thought about becoming a teacher? And I said, why would I become a teacher? You know, <laughs> uh, they don't make a lot of money. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and that always stuck with me, you know. Um, so I, I, I guess I want to leave you with, you know, 
your life is is never over until you know the day when you when you're not here anymore and and you know keep evolving keep changing absorb and learn yes. and explore and um and that's what got me you know to being where i am now and i honestly paolo believe i'm doing my greatest work now and i i believe it too i as a philosophy major in my undergrad i have so much importance with learning and listening and it's a constant flux and coming back to what you said about great skills and all of that uh following your skill set i i did that and learning from you from this podcast and learning from you in our personal talks conversation i really really feel thankful to meet you so thank you so much my judgment by the way freak marbles if you are interested or any information uh, regarding the business please contact mr jonathan brider he is available on linkedin and other social medias thank you so much thank you paolo and oh by the way can you say watch the trailer please watch the trailer